You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. Another show coming your way and I'm going to be joined on it today by Christopher Harris of the Harris Football Podcast. Really looking forward to bringing you this episode. Lots of redraft talk and so on and so forth fantasy football wise coming up so it's myself as always starting the show Colin Kelly hopefully things going well since the last podcast you listened to if you're a first time listener hopefully you'll head over after this or even right now and hit that subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher whatever you're listening to it on give us a written and a comment on there and come back for the future episodes because a few exciting ones coming up in the next couple of weeks and really looking forward to bringing them all your way also happy to say that we're linking up with Sports Travel Tours and they have you covered for all your sport and travel needs from NFL to NHL, MLB, uh, the college football and of course the NBA and uh, any of the teams involved in them, any of the games. They can get you tickets to that, get you the transfer sorted out, uh, accommodation, airport, flights, everything. They'll get that sorted out. It is travel for sports fans by sports fans. A fantastic company. Been going for over 18 years and uh, a company that I've known for quite some time but now this season we're linking up and of course you can have the trip of a lifetime over to the states if you want to save 10 percent off they're giving oti listeners 10 percent off this coming season and all you have to do is when you're uh, checking out there at their site when you're about to pay it'll have an option for discount code the discount code is oti doesn't get any easier than that oti for overtime ireland and uh, save 10 percent off your trip so you know every little helps get yourself uh, a round of beers with your buds uh, and all that sort of good stuff uh, by saving that 10 percent and uh, of course that's sportstraveltours.com Quick disclaimer, starting off the show, these shows were recorded a week or two ago as uh, I am now on my vacation heading around uh, New Zealand and Australia over the next couple of weeks. So these are all evergreen style shows pre-recorded ahead of time for your listening pleasure. So uh, I guess sit back, relax and enjoy. Let's get Christopher Harris on the show. Hi, I'm Matt Williamson and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Back on the podcast once again is Christopher Harris of the Harris Football Podcast. A lot of you'll know from his show. A lot of you'll probably have uh, wondered where he's gone since he was on ESPN. If you didn't know he was doing his own show at this point, you definitely should have uh, won the Fantasy Sports Writers Award for the 2015 Fantasy Podcast of the Year. Fantastic stuff, Chris. I mentioned the last time you were on that you've been doing over there. And, uh, of course, you've continued that great work into the offseason. A little bit of a break for you now from your own podcast, but we couldn't let you have all the fun and have all the downtime uh, we had to get you on here thanks for having me back and i agree it's been i i I, you know what this is time off from my show i think we come back like the week before the nfl draft so yeah probably about a month month from when we're recording this and uh it's a good time to catch up with everybody because when you're doing your own show sometimes it's hard to do others so i'm very very happy to be here yeah, and sometimes uh, when you're doing your own one, it feels like a chore. Hopefully this doesn't feel as much like a chore for you. But um, first off, uh, everyone wants to know the big news. Uh, last week there was talk of uh, Trent Richardson. Um, of course, you're, you're a big Trent Richardson fan. <laughs> Hoping that he lands with the Ravens. I don't think it matters. Yeah. I mean, you know, where, wherever he lands, he's going to land and be like the, the fourth option. And then we'll see what he looks like in camp and he'll probably get cut. It's funny. I mean, I remember from my times at ESPN, right? So we're talking about a top five overall, yeah. overall pick, and I didn't think his tape as a rookie was terrible. I thought it was okay. I actually thought his tape was okay those first few games with Cleveland after uh, in his second year, and then he gets traded all of a sudden. And I happened to be doing a radio show with Tim Hasselbeck, and his brother Matt Hasselbeck was in Indianapolis. Yeah. And we were just talking off the air about whatever, and uh, I think I had, I had mentioned – 
Trent Richardson to the Colts, you know, when, and talked about what I thought. And he said, just even in the first few weeks of Richardson being there, his brother was like, this guy's a moron. This guy's a clown. This guy doesn't really know what he's doing. Like, you know, not disciplined, not really kind of just happy to be here. And uh, I know that we're getting the PR spin now that he's figured it out and his agent is saying, oh, my goodness, so, so dedicated now. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. We know there's tons of raw ability there, but I just think probably we're not that interested. Yeah, obviously, when you're taking high in the draft, you get multiple opportunities around the league, and yeah. that's the case again. And um, with him, uh, he's even talked in the last few days, I've seen it, um, that he talked about that he obviously it's easy to get lazy when you're in the NFL. That's definitely something <laughs> that you're uh, going to worry about. And with him coming out of Alabama and then Eddie Lacy, maybe Eddie Lacy got the, the same theory coming out, but he looks to be <laughs> firing his way on the on the P90X circuit at the moment. Uh, that there was a, a little thing to start off just to, to break the ice, but moving forward, sure. a lot of free agency moves, and I've been listening to your show, maybe there's listeners here that haven't heard it, and um, there's a lot of interesting topics that you've covered on that there with people moving in free agency, but one the, a move that has disappointed me this free agency was the, the Chris Ivory to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. I thought Yeldon might take a step forward, obviously didn't get many touchdowns last season, and there was that issue, but just uh, in my opinion, crushed both fantasy uh, values going forward. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I mean, certainly, if Yeldon had stayed by himself, relatively speaking, you know, with the Toby Gerhardt's of the world or whatever, <laughs> you know, he would have been certainly a top 20 running back. I think you could very much argue top – I probably would have argued top 15. Yeah. Um, and now it's tough to make that case. I'm still going to have Yeldon significantly above Ivory. I think what this contract for Ivory tells us, the fact this is his landing spot tells us, is that the NFL just does not value him kind of at, as much as I do. You know, I, I think he's a pretty good player, you know, yeah. sort of a powerful, no-nonsense, will knock you over, but with some pretty good speed and a little bit of agility. Um, you know, I, I think I'm still, I think I'm maybe going to have yelled it a little higher than some folks, probably not top 15, but maybe top 20 among running backs. And Ivory's just going to take a back seat. Like you mentioned, there's questions about touchdowns, but I sometimes think the worm tends to turn from yeah. season to season, you know, and, and maybe Yeldon get some of his. Yeah, I was kind of getting excited at the start of the offseason about that possibility. You know, sometimes you get 15 touchdowns in a season, you're going to get that regression. Sometimes when you get one or two in a season, eventually the uh, averages, if, you have, if you're a quality player, is going to turn around. Yeah. Next up, Lamar Miller. Uh, he's down with the Houston Texans. The, the, the concern I have with some of these players too, moving positions, or not moving positions, but moving franchises, a lot of times we see the money splash in free agency, but not that often do we see it reflect positively on the field, particularly at the skill positions when you go and learn a new offense, different surroundings and so on and so forth. Uh, Lamar Miller, uh, the other one I have down here is Matt Forte. Obviously, he's a more seasoned veteran, but uh, going to the Jets for him. Do you have concerns not about the player's ability, but the player's uh, you know, change into a, a different scheme and so on? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. You wouldn't think with running backs it would be scheme related. Mm. I know we talk so much about whether they're in shotgun or whether they're, you know, a, typically a zone blocking team. I just feel like my experience now tells me that most offensive lines do most everything. And maybe it's in different Yeah, combination you know, of everything. Yeah, maybe different combination exactly. And and so like 
there there seems to be something though with free agents. Uh, you know, the running backs especially just don't seem to ever work out. I talked about that on my show some, and I kind of went through the the recent history, like the last you know ten years, and yeah. it's it's not pretty. And I think Lamar Miller's the one who's going to be hyped to high heaven. You know, some really smart people who I really respect their opinions have said Lamar Miller's a no doubt first round pick in redraft leagues, and I'm like, whoa, you know, I I don't know if I can go there. I, he, it seems like we've had so many questions about workload and what his coaching staffs have considered him capable of being, you know, multiple different coaching staffs. And we keep having this, oh, they're misusing him, they're misusing him. Like, how many coaching staffs in a row do we need to see misuse a guy until yeah. maybe they're not misusing him? Maybe that's what he is. You know, I don't think I'm going to have him rated anywhere near, you know, he, he he's going to be in my top 15. He's not going to be near my top five. And so I think he's the one I'd be super scared of. You know, Forte's just been a favorite player of mine for a long time, but it's worth asking the question, you know, an age 30 running back, changing teams, it feels like a lot of moving parts. Who the heck is New York's quarterback? Like, uh, I think there's a, you know, there's probably a little fairer value for Forte because I think a lot of people are going to be crazy in love with him the way they will for Miller, but uh, there's there's bust potential with Forte too, and it's tough to make the case that you, you view him as like an RB1 this year. Yeah, well, I think just his veteran experience calms that issue a little bit but you mentioned the quarterback situation eventually i'd imagine that uh, fitzpatrick's going to get signed there but they just have to offer him a little bit more money um lamar miller on the other hand i'm a lamar miller fan since he came into the league but i am very much uh, with you on the opinion of the coaching staffs can't always be wrong with what happens and <laughs> we could be three or four weeks into his time in houston and be like why is bill o'brien not giving him more snaps and why is he sp- <laughs> you know so uh, that there's that's another issue there. Um, obviously, with um, the players last year it was kind of uh, 2015, kind of the running back apop- apocalypse almost. It um, was with yeah. uh, the first round picks, and it might be with the way things are going so far. People talking about this year's draft might have been a kind of turning point. A lot of people burned last year by running backs, and over the last couple of years, it's kind of been a little bit more. There's been the no-RB strategy and so on. It's become a little bit more popular. Do you think uh, we're going to see a very wide receiver uh, heavy round one in 2016? My guess is that you will, mm-hmm. and maybe rightfully so. Um, I'm still going to recommend for folks in redraft leagues to, to at least in competitive redraft leagues, I almost need to give that disclaimer. Like yeah, if yeah. you're in a <laughs> if you're in a league where you can get anybody you want off the waiver wire anytime you want, and some running back is just there in week four, and you can just grab him. Okay, don't take a running back. Like I I have no complaint qualms about that. But you know my leagues are you can't do that. You know you're not sure you're what you're going to get on the waiver wire. Yeah. Um, so you know as long as running back is the most scarce position, I think the top tier of running backs still need to be the top of your draft. Now. Where we get into issues is that you know the top tier of running backs feels smaller than it's been in four or five years, and I think that has something to do with just a generation of really good running backs are turning twenty nine and thirty thirty one, yeah. and you know we you saw a bunch of guys get hurt last year. Let's be fair, a bunch of wide receivers got hurt last year. Ask a Des Bryant owner how that first round pick yeah, went. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know the court. How did Andrew Luck go? You know the number one quarterback like. Everybody got hurt last year. But, yes, it was a disgusting, nauseating, awful year for running backs. And in a lot of leagues, that's just going to lead people to to shy away. I think if they shy away too much and you're picking six and Todd Gurley is still there, you don't you, – you take Todd Gurley. Like, I think there are still players where I feel like I would want them ahead of any other position as long as running back really is a scarce position in your league. 
Yeah, I do agree with that there. And, you know, it's all about taking the value at the right position. And you can't just leave a, you know, fantastic talent like Todd Gurley on the board just for the sake of uh, avoiding a running back. Last year, pretty yeah. much the entire first round, when you go back through it, was, uh, you know, a bust for most teams. Adrian Peterson started the season slow. He was one of the only ones in the first round that came around and eventually mm-hmm. was productive towards the end. So it was just a, last year in particular was a very strange year. And so many star players got injured, particularly in the first kind of five or six weeks of the season. But when you're looking at players coming off injury, there's guys like Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles. Uh, how much concern going into the season do you have with them? And then there's a lot of players too in that. You mentioned the top tier. There's players that have started to move into that top tier. Guys like Thomas Rawls is starting to edge towards it with the fact that um, we have Marshawn Lynch retired. Uh, David Johnson in Arizona finished the season very, very strong. Lamar Miller has moved. Matt Forte has moved. And uh, a player I'm not a huge fan of, but Matt Jones looks like he's going to get his shot as a starter down in Washington. There's so many questions around the running back position heading into this season. And that's only springing names off the top of my head. Um, mm. You're gonna, it's, It is just very unclear going into the season for the RB position. Yeah, and you know the uh, the two first two guys you mentioned, I think, are the two m- most key guys for me, Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Charles. Um, at some point, you know, we're going to have to make, and it's not going to come for four months, right? But at yeah. some point, we're going to have to come to sort some sort of feeling about whether they're going to be ready. Um, and and even if they're not going to be ready, if it's a Le'Veon Bell missing two games type situation, you know, like it was last year, we're probably you know we're probably going to be okay. Um, you know. I would say right now, if you could tell me that Bell and Charles are healthy enough to be themselves to begin the year, yeah. they're in that first group for me. Yeah. Peterson certainly is, despite the age, and Gurley <laughs> certainly is. And I'm not sure anybody else is. So maybe if, if a league goes according to my ranks, maybe at five I'm picking the wide receiver, right? But, um, you know, the other names that you mentioned, do they have the potential to go to, to – you know, be worth an RB1 or be worth a first-round pick, certainly, but there's all but, sorts of reasons to worry. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I, you know, of the names you mentioned, David Johnson is the one that I say, all right, well, I get it. And maybe I would think about him in the later part of the first round. But again, like, do we not learn our lesson from C.J. Anderson, right? Yep. A, a short burst can uh, can some, sometimes trick you into thinking a guy is yeah, more Jer- than he is. Jeremy Hill yeah. would fit into that as well. Sure, Jeremy Hill. Uh, and, you know, I would say that David, I think David Johnson's a better player than either one of those guys. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm impressed with him. But, uh, gosh, I mean, what happens if we get to training camp and Charles is like, yeah, well, you know, the, the burst isn't quite there. And then Le'Veon yeah. Bell's like, yeah, I'm going to be ready in week eight. You know, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be down to two, you know, yeah. and one of them is going to be Adrian Peterson at 31. Yeah. So it is very interesting going through them just at this point, and obviously we'll get more clarity as it moves forward, but uh, always good breaking down those positions. Um, obviously, if Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Charles are back and ready to go, but uh, some rumors around Bell that he isn't going to be 100% at the start yeah. of training camp. But uh, moving forward from that there, obviously with uh, fantasy football, it has changed over time. The players at the top end of the game, like in the an analyst at the top end of it, like yourself, have had to make changes and adapt over different styles and strategies. Any particular ones that stand out to you in particular that you've changed maybe over the last four or five years? You know, the rookies flopping last year almost felt like, you know, it felt like, okay, we're returning to normal. You know, the 
two years ago, that rookie class, what, four of them in the top 20? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, of the receivers, you know, it, 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 it made you say, okay, well, everything I know about fantasy is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and last year, having them all get hurt or not be very good, you know, Nelson Aguilar of the world um, sort of made me feel like, okay, I understand this world. That was a historic class. And, you know, I, I don't need to completely rethink whether I trust rookie receivers and rookie tight ends. Um, you know, the advent of the, you know, the there's no more 400 carrybacks. There's barely any yeah. 300 carrybacks. You know, yeah. the Ladainian Tomlinson seasons, the Sean Alexander pre-Storm seasons, you know, those are long gone. And yet, I think somebody who then leaps to this notion of zero RB no matter what, I think they're just going too far the other way. Like... No, I'll you know if I had been able to get Adrian Peterson first overall last year, it would have worked out just fine. Um, if you get the RB who, at the beginning whose talent you think is legit, and you're willing to take the chance on the injury, the wide receiver that you get in round two is is he appreciably different from Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones? Like, mm-hmm. I feels to me like the drop off for running back is a lot bigger than the drop off for for wide receiver. So I don't know. I feel like my guiding principle has always been value. You know, just like you said earlier, like yeah. uh, I just, I just want to find the market inefficiencies and try to take advantage of them with the players I think are most talented. And that doesn't feel like it's changed. I, I still feel like that's a relatively winning strategy, but of course, you know, there's no such thing as a winning strategy. We all have to admit, you know, <laughs> fantasy football crushed by injuries. And then you get to the playoffs and you're 12 and 0 and you lose like, you know, there's that's why it's fun and also ridiculous. Yeah, the only thing, the only perfect strategy would be to somehow get a time machine head into the exactly. future for 17 weeks and then come back again to uh, pick pick your draft team. Yeah. But something would still probably go wrong in that in that span of time. You mentioned there, um, you know, with the value. There's all, some of my best picks in fantasy football over the last couple of years have been players who going into a draft. I haven't been all that pushed about. I've kind of even almost had them marked with an X beside them that I wasn't interested in them. And then come the draft, they just fall and fall and fall. And, you know, if you're getting them six sure. or seven picks later than you thought they were going to be, you're like, oh, it's too good to pass up. And some of those picks have turned out to be the best ones I've made. I have a bit further down here, I've, you know, about the draft plan going into a draft. And the draft board, first of all, you set up your... The best way I find is to set up your tiers of players based on, you know, all the positions, a bit like what the NFL teams will do. And then I have written below it, remove prospects. Do you have players at times that you just, you know, you've... Uh, I'm not taking that guy? <laughs> Probably not. And I think I'm exactly in your in your camp, though, about, like, yeah. there, you know, there's so much groupthink in... in in fantasy drafts now you know my, my i have a lot to do with that you know my industry has gotten big and a lot yeah. of people listen and i'm very thankful for that but there um there's a lot of you know so if everybody decides ryan matthews in his last year in san diego is you know just a don't touch him his collarbones are made out of funyuns like just you don't want them right everybody knows that and so whereas maybe his ranking is 30th overall he's you know you're at 60 overall and he still hasn't been taken you know, as much as I didn't want him at that point when I don't have to start him, <laughs> you know, like I'm probably going to take him, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I think not. I don't think I ever wind up with any players that I say no matter what, even if it's – even if they fall the last pick in the last round, I will not draft this guy. Like I don't think I – I don't think I – I think I'm pretty agnostic as far as that goes. 
Yeah, I think that's the the right way to go, and it's just it's just a question I thought would be interesting to spring in there. <laughs> well, sometimes people just hate players, right? He burned yeah. me eight different times, and I don't want him. Like, it would be tough for me. I don't, I don't even know if I've personally been burned by Darren McFadden, but it's tough for me to go. Like, I really am psyched that in the eleventh round, Darren McFadden fell to me. Like, I've seen him. You know, last year we worked out okay, but I don't know how many Darren McFadden fantasy titles there were. But uh, you know, just been such a such a troll so many times. Yeah, I think with. Uh, most people play in just regular leagues the burning aspect of it does come into it if you've uh, had a player one year you think about what you did the year before but if you are like yourself studying tape and so on I think that you know you kind of try and take the emotional side out of it but a player this year you know you mentioned earlier David Johnson I think by the time we get around to the season starting and the drafts taking place I think he's going to be hyped up so much and ramped up I can't see myself taking him uh, with just what we've seen in the last three or four years with players having a big season one year at a young age and then the next season falling away we've seen it with Jeremy Hill you mentioned CJ Anderson although he came back on strong at the end of last season there's just uh, that potential of inconsistency and I would be definitely going for one of the more veteran options at that point um, next up is the selection process selecting tiers for yourself just for some maybe there could be new guys listening to this that haven't played fantasy if they haven't played yet um, welcome out from under the rock that you've been hiding under but <laughs> I'd, say the, I'd say that the selection process how do you go about selecting your tiers it's not very scientific <laughs> um, it's not a lot of numbers involved you know it's it's I have this accumulated wealth of whatever inside my head of having watched every play, right? Yeah. And so do I remember every play? No, but I, I do feel like, um, you know, sitting through the tape of every single game from last year a leaves a residue of some kind, of, of a general impression, which is why when Lamar Miller changes teams, I go, okay, I get it. I've seen him be really good, but man, I remember seeing so many things that I was like, mm. <laughs> You know, and so yeah. I, then I, it makes me go, okay, well, I wouldn't think of him as a top-tier guy, even though some of my friends in the industry do think he is. And yeah. I could be wrong, and I'm, I've been wrong before. But So I feel like the way it happens is I get a big old list of players, and I start to you know, sort through – you know, obviously situation matters, but more, first and foremost, I'm thinking of talent. And then if, I'm, if there's a super talented guy – I'm looking for a reason to lower him rather than a reason to move somebody else up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a, a very open-ended question. I realize it might've been. Uh, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's good. Yeah. It's a good way to think about it. I mean, I am very, I am much less scientific when it comes to this stuff. I'm really not a numbers guy that much. You know, I'm never going to tell you that this guy got, you know, this many yards per carry or this many yards per catch or this many yards per attempt. It just doesn't. I feel like the stats are so manipulable in football and so dependent on so many things that you can get really misled by them. And the best way for me, you know, obviously everybody doesn't have a chance to uh, watch every play of every game. Yeah. Uh, but that's why I have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if they did, I wouldn't have a show. But, you know, so that's where, I, that's where I'm coming from. And sometimes I think numbers for football players very often are Misleading. meant to be. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm not even misleading, but just like I already have this opinion about this guy. Let's find a number that makes my opinion look smart. Yeah, that's it. You can manipulate it to uh, fit the uh, scenario or the you know the story that you want to tell. Um, yeah. Obviously, with uh, 
planning your draft, your draft will be set either if it's online or if you're meeting up with a group of friends to do it. Uh, obviously, the key for most people is to do mock drafts prior to it so you get an idea of where these players are going to go. And then, unfortunately, when you're doing a mock, you might get somebody who just decides to uh, destroy it by <laughs> taking a defense or some, a kicker in the first round. But uh, most of the mocks that you'll find online will be genuine enough. And uh, I think it is a huge key to being able to have your preparation right for draft night. Is that something you would still agree with? Sure, yeah. I mean, I wind up doing so many of them just because I'm in the industry that yeah, I usually don't seek them out <laughs> otherwise. But I but I definitely wind up doing a lot of them. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm often doing them with wise guys. Yeah. You know, when I was at ESPN, we would do these mock drafts and, you know, the first quarterback wouldn't go until the fifth round. And everybody would be like, this is a useless mock draft. This is never going to happen in my really world. Yeah. You know, my world, someone's taking Aaron Rodgers, pick 11. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's totally useful. Um, you, you, to some degree, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, you know, my overriding, overarching advice kind of comes down to don't be emotional about it. It's just, yeah, definitely don't fall in love with players. Don't decide you have to have a guy. Don't, you know, feel like you have to partake because, you know, seven running backs, one in a row, you better get the eighth. Like try to just be analytical. Yeah. And I do think that comes with the the practice of it. And I, I think as well, I know, some leagues you'll still see quarterbacks go extremely early but I think a lot of because of you know so many podcast shows like your own podcast and when you're with ESPN and the Fantasy Underground there's so many shows now that have I don't want to use the word smartened up but smartened up your your casual fantasy football player and um, (laughs) they have you know they've come along to the strategy that there's so much value later on in quarterback you don't need to take one in the first or second round and although there is still some leagues that that happens and I think it's uh, improved a lot over the last three or four years in particular um yeah so then when uh of course draft night the key you mentioned there not getting emotional uh stay calm is probably the, the best way to go don't go crazy <laughs> don't drink a lot yeah well, don't, well don't drink a lot. I, we can say that now but come draft night probably everyone's gonna be drinking a lot <laughs> some people probably go to the go to the draft to drink more than uh, to pick the players <laughs> maybe i say nurse it i yeah. say get get a beer and nurse it that's yeah. what i do and uh, then I have a few questions come in on Twitter as well. There's been a, a, t- a bit of talk on a couple of podcasts I've listened to over the last month or so and talking about is it time to remove the, the kicker from the fantasy football game? I know obviously kickers are people too and Rich Eisen has a lot of time for the, the punters and the kickers, but uh, time to remove kickers, do you think? I would be uh, receptive. You know, I feel I feel like there's a lot of noise already, statistical noise already in fantasy football yeah. with injuries and depth chart shenanigans and coaches being knuckleheads and just, you know, week to week things. It's just not a lot of data points, right? When you only, when you, when you have baseball and it's 500 to 600 at bats, it's just so many data points that are very repeatable that you start to get an idea of what a guy can do. And that's just never going to be the case in football. And, you know, it's worth, since we all know kickers are random, it is sort of worth asking why we have this completely random thing. You know, I would say just to tie those last two questions together, tie those last two topics together. Maybe the standard needs to be two quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, I've because, seen that too, yeah. Because cause scarcity, it's all about scarcity. you know. And so like the reason we wait on quarterbacks is just because you can get one. You can get one whenever, whenever you want. Yeah. You know, and just not, there's not enough difference between them. But if you, if you have to get two, the moment I'm in a two-quarterback draft, quarterback to go in the first round, and yeah. it feels to me like that's more fun because it sort of just gets you like a more varied experience. Yeah, I think I'd rather play with two quarterbacks than have a kicker. And you often see with even kicker rankings over, you know, say it's week 13, 
whoever's kicker one might be kicker 16 in another ranking. So it's uh, one of those things that, you know, it's just <laughs> I'll like tell you, toss I mean, them all up I in spent, the air. Right. I spend a lot of time ranking, man. I, and this, this past year with my own, you know, business and my own site, it was more than ever because I did PPR ranks also. So yeah. I was doing basically at ESPN, that's two people's jobs. Yeah. And uh, when I got to kickers, <laughs> get the hat. Yeah. Put on the coffee. But it's uh, it's pretty – it is a pretty one. I just think that although it does affect a lot of games and people win because they're kickers, I just think it's one of those parts that most people generally don't have too much interest in uh, who's going to be kicking the most field goals in, the, in a certain given week. And every other position, even defensively, you can. there's a lot of study and strategy goes into who you're going to have. But the kicking position is one of my least favorite parts of it. Uh, you mentioned the PPR ranks. Um, next up is a question that came in as well, and it's uh, – a lot of people, when when PPR started up, it was obviously because you mentioned earlier about 400 uh, carry running backs a season, and it was kind of to give wide receivers a chance to catch up to those positions, but now with the the game so much passing involved and uh, the top-end wide receivers, maybe PPR has become a little bit uh, unbalanced again with the, the wide receivers being more valuable than the running backs. Do you think maybe half-point or quarter-point PPR is uh, an option or just leave PPR out completely? I would say half point perception right now feels to me like a nice sweet spot. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I, I am definitely receptive to the idea that why am I rewarding my wide receiver for literally standing there and having a ball thrown at his head yeah, and he catches it yeah. and then gets tackled, right? Uh, and gets no yards. Like that doesn't, it seems to me that's a fair argument that. You know, we're trying. To, if, we're, if if the idea is to try to reasonably facsimilate, you know, the the idea that things that are good for a team in the NFL are good for a fantasy team, hence touchdowns, hence yards, that doesn't seem very beneficial. And yet, uh, I, I still think it adds a fun piece of noise, and it also ele- it, it creates. I think the, any having any PPR sort of elevates more running backs into usefulness. Yeah. You know, Danny, Danny Woodhead. Yep for all his touchdowns, you know, earlier in the year wasn't particularly usable in standard leagues because you just didn't know when those touchdowns were coming. He wasn't getting a lot of carries, but, you know, he's become, he and Sproles, you know, become factors and become yeah. usable. And something like that, that in a world where running backs are a little more egalitarian, maybe it helps when the universe gets broader. Yeah, I think uh, I just think that if you get, as you mentioned, say if Demarius Thomas catches a, a screen pass at the line of scrimmage and he gets zero yards, and then a, a running back runs for ten yards, you get the exact same points. I think that's when you're starting to the balance is a bit off on that there. But PPR has become so popular over the last ten years. I think it's going to be a long time before we see it uh, regress to uh, not being there at all. So half point at the moment you mentioned is probably the sweet spot. So um, that's really all that I've down here. Just the last thing, any other advice that you have for uh, even seasoned players or maybe even some of the, the rookie players out there wanting to get into fantasy this year? Um, Harris Football Podcast, you'll you be guaranteed to win if you listen to every single guaranteed. show. It's guaranteed. That's 100%. You get your money back if you don't. Oh, wait, it's free. Uh, you know, like... I, I, even though I know I have a reputation as being the analytical guy and I sort of try to get, keep narrative and emotion and all that stuff out of the way I think about players and do analysis and recommend you do draft strategy and all that stuff, um, I am not super serious about fantasy. Yeah. And I think the best attitude that anybody can have is just to be into it, but not that into it. And maybe that's the benefit of age because, you know, I'm in leagues still where, you know, 20 years ago, if I lost, 
a championship game, I lost my mind and yeah. couldn't talk to people for a week. <laughs> like I get it, but I uh, but I, I, I you know I'm not that way anymore. And I think I'm sure being in the business has something to do with it. I just want the season to freaking end. But uh, yeah, I would say try your best to put effort into it, but realize that in the end, it isn't. You know, it's what it is is poker. Yeah. You know, and poker you can you can have the best hand and lose. Right, and that's very much what happens in fantasy on a very regular basis. I mean, my Twitter feed is filled after the season ends with hundreds, literally hundreds of sob stories. People saying, "Have you ever heard anything like this?" <laughs> you know, I went, I went 12, 13 and zero, and yeah. then lost in the championship game when the kicker decided he was great. You know, uh, just try your best to realize, like, you can't lose your mind over a hand of poker, and you can't lose your mind over a fantasy football game. Yeah, and people out there, that is a lot more common than anybody can ever imagine. It's happening uh, multiple and many hundreds of, uh, or maybe even thousands of times <laughs> a season. So don't feel like you're the only one out there and uh, time is a great healer. The advice I would have, like Kenny, you were hinting at is, uh, I think it's important to have fun because like everyone that starts playing fantasy football, like myself, like yourself, you start playing it because it's fun and then obviously you've made a career out of it and I'm here talking about it. So we have, uh, <laughs> you know, the, you, you start off with fun and you start playing it so much that you, you really enjoy it. And I think that at the bottom of it is the main part to make sure you keep the fun in it. Some people get very, very serious and it's, uh, you know, a no fun unless you win every single game and you know you, you lose two games in a season and it ruins those two weeks for you so I think the the key is to to enjoy it and that is the really the aim of fantasy football overall yeah and and like give up the illusion of control yes. it's a good lesson for life like for as much as there are so many podcasts you can listen to and you know I'll watch all the film and I'll tell you what I think of players and whether I think a guy looks good or not good and whether you should trade for him or not trade for him like you can you can get as granular as you want with advice and strategy and everything. In the end, it's not in your control. And just like you don't know what's going to come on the turn in the river when you're playing poker. Like you just, you know, guys can get hurt. Guys can just stink. Like you just – stuff's going to happen. So like <laughs> I think fantasy is great for people because it helps you relinquish the illusion of control. Yeah, it's very, very true. And uh, Chris, you mentioned a minute ago about the, uh, the Harris Football Podcast. I mentioned it in the intro definitely definitely recommend to all the listeners out there to check it out obviously you did a few episodes at the end of the season and they're pretty much evergreen kind of like what i'm trying to do with a couple of these shows is that you can listen to them throughout the off season um, definitely you can go back and check out you've done the running backs one recently uh, the offensive line one as well and just uh, lots of interesting topics i always look sometimes you look at it a lot of the time from a very different angle to a lot of your uh, more common uh, analysts out there so I, I do enjoy listening to your show you can find it at harrisfootball.com and of course chris is on twitter as well at harrisfootball so it's very very simple just put in at harrisfootball on twitter follow him and you'll get all the information there anything else chris you mentioned you're taking a few weeks off from your own podcast anything else you want to give a, a shout out to maybe that you've planned heading into next season I don't even know. I don't know about next season yet. I, should I do the podcast? Uh, nah, I, I think guess you should. The podcast. You should probably keep it going. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, watch so, out for the sophomore slump. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if we don't, if we don't get the podcast of the year in 2016, it's a failure, right? Yeah. We set the bar too high. Um, going to do if people are interested in the NFL draft, you yeah. know, we're going to do shows like one week of shows leading into the NFL draft, and then two weeks of shows coming out, and on those shows after the draft, once we've kind of figured out where, where all the rookies landed i'm gonna reveal my my 2016 ranks on the podcast over the series of a few days yeah, so i good. think folks will have fun yeah definitely and uh, as always chris thanks for jumping on board the show oh thanks for having me it was so fun 
Hey, what's up, everyone? This is J.J. Burton, former NFL wide receiver, and you're listening to Overtime Ireland. Once again, thanks to Chris for jumping aboard the show. Follow him on Twitter, as I mentioned there, at Harris Football, and uh, check out the great podcast when he's back up and running in the next uh, month or so. But obviously, I mentioned some of the shows he'd done recently, still well worth a listen. Check those ones out. We've also linked up with Sports Travel Tours. You can find them online at sportstraveltours.com. It's travel for sports fans by sports fans. They're covering uh, all the uh, different American sports, NFL, NHL, uh, NBA, and so on and so forth. And they're also covering the games in Dublin this upcoming season, the college game, and then they're covering the games in the UK as well. So all that good stuff. And then they're doing tailgates before a number of all the games, in fact, uh, that I mentioned there, and then games in the US as well. And you can get sports packages to games in the US. They can sort you out for any of them with tickets, accommodation, flights, and so on. And uh, with OTI and that there link up that I mentioned a moment ago, if you go to the checkout when you've selected your package with them, there's great customer service over there as well. Uh, the code is OTI, simple as that. Uh, 10% discount if you use the OTI code. So uh, absolutely no reason not to. If you're planning on heading stateside that's here for a, a sports tour, do go to sportstraveltours.com and insert that OTI code at checkout for 10% savings. So we're getting new listeners all the time here on the podcast with the great work all the listeners have been doing on social media and Twitter in particular, spreading the word off the podcast, the ratings on iTunes and Stitcher. Keep up the fantastic work that you've been doing over the last couple of weeks, helping us grow the show here. Uh, I've mentioned that looking to have a, a co-host coming into the 2016 season, lots of interest in that coming in uh, via email and uh, looking forward to narrowing down that list and having some more great content coming up for you in the 2016 season. So that should be exciting. But with new listeners, you obviously want uh, them to come back and listen. So make sure you've hit that subscribe button that I mentioned at the start. Give us that all-elusive and all-important written on iTunes or Stitch or whatever you listen to it on. If you want to find out all the ways, if you're streaming this, if you want to find out all the ways you can listen to the show, OvertimeIreland.com forward slash podcast is the place to go. So until the next show comes out next week, uh, my name's Colin Kelly. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.